Hi, I'm Shay, and welcome to Kombucha and Color. Kombucha and Color is a weekly podcast hosted by me, Shay Dyer, a yoga teacher and creative graphic designer, and Anna Marsh, a functional medicine practitioner and women's health coach with a love of all things health and fitness. This podcast is here to inspire women to embrace health and live life bright. You can find more about me, Shay, at shaydyer.com. You can find out more about me, Anna, at annamarshnutrition.co.uk. And each week we will be bringing you inspiring content for a healthier and happier mind, body, heart, and soul. Now onto the show. Hi, it's Shay here. Take a moment right now to reflect on how you measure a successful day for yourself. For a long time, I measured the success of my day based on the number of Instagram likes or followers I gained, the money I made, or the amount of love or praise I received. Whilst these are wonderful things to desire, using them as a metric of success left me feeling really depleted. It was only after some honest soul-searching that I've truly shifted my metrics so that now I define my success on whether I'm able to answer yes to the following three questions. Have I moved my body today? Have I breathed or sat in stillness today? Have I created something today? Move, breathe, create. When I focus on these as measures of a successful day, I am able to really slow down, get out of the busyness of my head, back into my body, and manifest things from a really authentic place. What's even crazier is that when I focus on these three things, all the other shiny pennies, the money, the praise, the followers, the likes, they all flow into my life with such ease as a result of me being in an energized, calm, creative, and aligned state. It's completely changed my outlook on life, and it's made me a much happier person. I really want to share all my tools with you so that you too can manifest the things you want in your life from this energized, calm, creative, and aligned state and feel really happy whilst doing it. Come and join me at movebreathecreate.com where you will find ways to energize your body and calm your mind along with creative tutorials and techniques to get you into that creative manifesting state. Most yoga studio monthly memberships cost upwards of £100 a month. And you can join me over at movebreathecreate.com where you can find not only yoga practices and tutorials, but also workbook downloads, community, meditations, soul work, journal ideas, creative prompts and inspiration, all for less than £10 a month. It's like your own personal yoga retreat space. Come connect back to your body, mind, and soul with me at movebreathecreate.com. I look forward to seeing you inside of the community. Today, we are talking about Shay's Marathon Physical Challenge Adventure. If you listen to one of the previous shows, Shay shared that um, she has recently signed up for a marathon in Bournemouth, so she has an excuse to come and visit me and Ben and Warren can drink beer together. Um, As a spin-off from all of this and sharing it on social media, we've kind of got onto this topic of physical challenges, how do you prepare physically, mentally, emotionally, and so we thought for today we could kind of talk through some of the top tips for preparing your body, preparing your heart, preparing your soul, preparing your mind for anybody who's taking on any physical challenges this coming year. 
Yeah, thanks, Anna. Um, I must say that I have been really overwhelmed with amazing advice and tips and tools from people on Instagram. And that's really why I wanted to share them with everyone because they've been so useful. And I think it applies not only to if you are running a marathon or if you're doing a half marathon, there's so many people who have been wanting to sign up for triathlons and been thinking about half marathons, but they also kind of overarching themes and tools that are useful for life in general, I've found, as I've been looking over these um, top tips that I have kind of collected. So I wanted to share them with you guys today. So I have seven main tips that I've um, broken up into these different categories. So the first one is having a plan. So, I'd just okay. like to say on the note of having a plan and yes. you criticizing me on being the super analytical, analytical, <laughs> analytical one and you have broken down your advice into seven categories. Yes. Analytical. Sure. Yes. <laughs> so, but I think that the first thing is this idea of having a plan is so important and it's true for not only just a physical challenge that you might be doing with yourself, but it's true for if you're running a business or if you're going into labor or whatever it is, the idea of having a plan, even if it doesn't go according to step by step how you anticipated it to be or what your intention was, but having that boundary is really, really useful. And if we think about any of the work that you do, like in Grounded Goddess, there's a plan that people follow. When people join my move, we create there's a calendar with a plan for people to follow. It gives some structure and it helps to just formulate things that you don't feel like you are flapping about and lost in a whirlwind of information and overwhelm and overload of so many different things at a different times. You kind of have a structure and something that you can easily follow one step in front of the other. So that was the first thing is just finding a plan that works for you. And I think we've said so many times on the show that boundaries channel energy. So the plan is your boundaries to channel your energy in the right direction so that it's not scattered spaghetti at the wall style. Yes, which I think is like how I, I ran a, a half marathon probably about more than 10 years ago and it was with my mom and I don't know how I, she just expected me to run 21 Ks and it was the worst, it was the worst, I think it was three or four hours of my life. I was in pain. I was crying. I was having a huge fight with my mother. It was awful. And now I've reached that point because I can see the purpose of having a plan and having something to follow and there's discipline involved in it. And it's a completely different way of looking at the whole experience. So that is my first tip number one, have a plan. And um, the second tip was get strong. So this is something that has come up again and again in so many of the different plans that I've read and the different podcasts that I have been listening to. I want to give credit to these people who've sent me these tips. So Sophia Cold on Instagram, um, she was the one who um, introduced me to the Well Far podcast, which is a podcast specifically for running if this is the physical challenge that you have decided to go for. It's a really useful podcast. And actually, it's so funny because the beginning intro of that podcast it's got like this chariots of fire soundtrack so like you feel like you've already run the podcast you've already run the marathon as the podcast opening that is probably by design <laughs> no no I'm like yeah I'm doing it I'm doing it yeah I found the marathon but it's so funny and it goes back to something that we were saying about identity in many of the previous episodes is that in the beginning of that podcast I was listening to it for the first time and she's like us runners 
I'm like, oh, oh, she's talking to me as runners. Like now I have to classify myself as a runner, which is something that I would never classify myself as. And I've been kind of interested in the reasoning why I haven't wanted to identify myself as a runner as opposed to somebody who's just undertaking this thing. And I think it's because the moment you classify yourself as a runner, it sends a signal to people that, oh, running's easy for you. You're a runner, so it's easy for you. And I think people are hesitant to take away how much a challenge it is to actually get outside and do it and do the training and go through the process and actually put one foot in front of the other because it's hard. It's really, really hard work. So anyway, one of the things that came up again and again on her podcast is this idea of getting strong. And it's really been interesting because as I have thought about this uh, feeling of getting strong, it's changed my perception a lot on functional fitness and strength because I think many people enter into fitness programs or into body work programs or something like that because they are wanting to change the way that they look or change the way that they feel. And it's from a very aesthetic place. And it's almost then like the workouts that you're doing are from a very luxury point of view. Like if you do the workout, great, you're going to have a better body. If you do the workout, okay, good. It's going to improve your aesthetic, which is all very luxury kind of workout. If I can term it like that. Just coin the phrase. Actually, yeah, it's like a luxury workout. So if you do it, it's great. If you don't do it, ah, that's also fine. So the incentive to do it is not as strong as when I think of myself running a marathon, I have to do these workouts because I need my body to be strong. Otherwise, I'm going to hurt myself. So it's much more of a functional fitness. Like I need to do these workouts, not because, oh, it's going to make my body look cool and like cute abs, but it's, I need my body to be strong in order to take the impact of what I'm asking it to do. So it's completely flipped my reasoning and the purpose and the why for why I'm choosing to strengthen my body in very specific ways so that you don't get hurt, so that you don't get injured. And it's such an interesting way to look at it because imagine if every single yoga class we went to or workout that we did, we thought about it in the sense of I'm strengthening my body or I'm tuning into my body or I'm taking a moment to be with myself because this is going to support my life rather than, oh, I'm going to look cute in a bikini. It just It's a completely different like mindset on that and building specific strength for it. Yeah. And you know, it's actually really funny because Shay didn't give me much of a heads up in terms of what we're actually going to talk about today, but I did write some notes. And then the very first thing I wrote on my list was program, which is essentially planning. And then the next thing I wrote was strength. So we are completely aligned, even though we did not converse beforehand. (laughs) I'm a massive fan of strength training, as you know, because I've been doing it now for about 10 years. And last year when I was going to do the marathon, which I eventually didn't do, one of the things I said was you don't run a marathon to be fit. You have to be fit to run a marathon. And that's not like the fitness that it takes for you to run a marathon but it's that all encompassing fitness. Like, is my body healthy? Is my body strong enough to endure the paces that I'm going to put it through? Mm, That's exactly what it has been for me. This huge, big flip in my head of, wow, it's, it's making my body strong enough to do what I'm 
I'm asking it to do. Okay. So just out of curiosity, what was your third point then before I tell you mine? Well, this is where we're probably not going to be in so much synchronicity because then I put heart rate variability. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not, but okay. Explain your heart rate variability. Um, So I think this comes much more from this place of um, we need rest. So we don't get fitter or stronger or um, nothing improves when we're doing the work, the strength work, the endurance work, those, that type of work. We actually get fitter, stronger, faster in the moments in between the work when our body is allowed to rest, recover and repair. And I know at some point you'll give me the license to segue into the nutrition aspect of this, but keeping it a little bit more kind of body specific for now is heart rate variability is something that we spoke about in the previous episode and um, when we were looking at the woo-woo practices that we do. And this is a way in which you can measure and assess your sympathetic dominance. So your sympathetic nervous system being your fight or flight nervous system, your stress system, or your parasympathetic dominance, which is the nervous system that rests, recovers, and repairs. So using a tool like heart rate variability, which I won't go into the details about today because we just talked about it last week, can be a really nice tool amongst many other tools in which you can just sort of see like, okay, am I pushing it too far? Do I need to step back? Do I need to take a rest? So I guess the overall theme would be looking after your your balance within your nervous system, making sure that you have enough downtime, you have enough self-care practices to allow yourself to absorb all the benefits from the training that you're doing. Which is exactly what I have for point number three, which I- is tune into your body. <laughs> This is why you're my smudge buddy (laughs) cabinet member. So, so far we are very aligned, um, even though we haven't actually spoken about this um, together. But I have in here, tune into your body, which it relates exactly to that concept of being able to rest, to know when you need to repair, to know when you need to restore the body and to have those practices that counterbalance the work that you're doing in the gym or running on the roads or whatever physical challenge it could be for you. I mean, this is, I don't think we should relate this specifically to marathon, although I am talking from a very specific marathon training perspective, but it's for any physical challenge you're doing. It could be, you know, having childbirth or, you know, going into a half marathon triathlon, going for a long walk, whatever it is, your peak challenge, or could be just running a business. Like how are you managing to balance yourself, balance your life? So in a caveat to that, I have got um, fueling right for your body. So knowing what works for your body and knowing what to eat. And one of the big tips that I had specifically for race training it came from a few different people. There was yoga free to be, which um, she's run comrades three times. And for anyone who's not South African, who's, who's listening, comrades marathon is a marathon that is basically two marathons on top of each other in terms of length. So you imagine running a marathon and then turning around and running home just for fun. Like that's the distance. <laughs> and, yeah. The technical term is ultra. Ultra, ultra marathon. marathon. You see, I'm so not a runner. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the, the, the thing for that was, was to just notice what works in your body and testing foods beforehand, test what you are eating and how you're feeling your body, how it makes you feel, which is really interesting because I, I would say that I am quite tuned into my body as well. So some of the people that I've seen online have said, you know, oats is a perfect um, thing to have before you go for a run. And immediately I was like, oh, I know that's not going to work for my body just because I know my body, I know my body type. And I tested it yesterday and 
oh, it was terrible. I ended up with heartburn and a full stomach. And I was like, I, I knew that from before even going into this, but now having the ability to test it and tuning into my body gives me the opportunity to say, okay, right, I'm marking that off and I'll take something else, try something else. So when people have said marathon training and training can take over your life, initially I thought, oh, well, you know, it's just an extra couple of hours on a Sunday when you do your long run. But what I think that they are referring to is the idea that in order to get all these other things right, it takes a lot more time out of your day or out of your weeks. Because if you're wanting to know what works right for fueling the body the night before you take your long run, that means the night before you have to think about what you're eating, where you're going to be eating. So often that might mean staying in or not going out and having a party with friends or whatever. So you're making these adjustments all the time in your week to try and assess the most optimal environment and conditions for your body. And that's a process of continuously testing, which takes time. So yeah, is there anything specific that you wanted to add on in terms of nutrition specifically for <laughs> maybe training? And I pulled out a long list. <laughs> um, um, yeah, prehab, rehab, post feeling, all that. So let's let us begin. <laughs> Many of my clients are looking for ways they can optimize their health through the power of food. I often supercharge their lifestyle with green tea to support them with everything from weight loss to hormonal balance to skin conditions to immune function. As a green tea lover myself, I love that Emerald Matcha is ceremonial grade and approved by the UK Organic Food Federation. Anna has always talked about the health benefits of green tea but I never really found one that I truly liked. After I tried a sample of Emerald Matcha's high-quality green tea, hand-picked from the very best farms in Japan, I thought, this is definitely a green tea I can get excited about. As a small business owner, it feels really great to support other small, family-owned businesses, and especially one with such a high emphasis on customer service. I'm so excited to bring green tea into my daily routines, as an antioxidant face mask for my skin, putting it into my smoothies, and making matcha vegan ice cream. Kombucha and Color are delighted to be partnering with Emerald Matcha Green Tea. Place your order and grab all the health benefits by searching for Emerald Matcha, that's Emerald Matcha, on amazon.co.uk. You can use the discount code kombucha15 for 15% off. Um, so I would, I would also just like to like confirm and agree with what you're saying about listening to your body, because I do think that everybody's body is different. We often will buy books on like the marathon running guide or whatever it might be. And we sometimes follow advice from other people or advice from books at the detriment of listening to our own body, because we've lost that disconnection, we've lost that connection. And we've talked about that many times on the show. So it's, you know, as you say, really coming back to yourself and honoring yourself and trusting that what you know is right for your body is right. There's a few general things um, to touch on, which is just as we said, you, you don't run a marathon to be fit. You want to be fit to run a marathon. And um, the same goes for health is you don't run a marathon to be healthy. You want to be healthy to run a marathon. And Say I had a client who was going to come to me and say, you know, I've never run a marathon before. You know, I'm, I want to take on this physical challenge. What is the best I can do for my body? I would just be, first of all, evaluating their overall wellness. So everything starts in the gut, as we've talked about many times before. 
So when someone does a lot of exercise, that can potentially create a damaging environment for the gut because we are prioritizing blood flow to the skin for cooling. We're prioritizing blood flow to the muscles so they can contract work. We need the brain to stay conscious. So there's some blood flow going there. And that can mean that we get... Um, a reduced blood supply to the intestines, which can have an impact on digestion. And that's why a lot of people, you know, get the runs or they might get cramps or diarrhea or experience digestive difficulties in endurance events. But it's not just the event, it's it's the, the accumulation of all the training as you're preparing. So looking after digestive health is probably one of the first things you want to think about. And I noticed this with Ben last year when he was doing his marathon training. It is almost like, well, I've got a free license to eat whatever I want because I'm burning so many calories. And then he was just eating a lot of like desserts and maybe less healthy food, more processed sugars, those types of things um, to make up the calories. But you know, it's not necessarily considering what those types of foods are doing to the balance within the gut. So I still do really think it's about finding a good balance of, you know, foods which really support health from that digestive health perspective, from that inflammation perspective, because when you're pounding the pavements for three or four hours in one go, there's going to be inflammation in the body. So you want to keep your diet clean and nourishing and colorful and full of the good fats, all those things we've probably talked about on the show before, so that you can really optimize the health of your body, not just think about, oh, I need to get enough calories so I have the energy. Someone on Instagram also mentioned to me that she had had to up her protein intake a lot more than she had thought she needed. Is there a rule of us? I know everyone's specific and it's not, it's individualized to each person, but is there a rule of thumb that you would follow, say, um, the balance or the spread of your macronutrients as you go into training for optimal muscle um, rehabilitation and repair in terms of protein versus carbs and fats? So I think this is, again, probably another area which could be quite controversial and, and different people will probably favor a different balance. But generally speaking, the protein intake guidelines for athletes are 1.5 grams to 2 grams per kilo body weight. And I know most of the people in the UK work in pounds. I'm sorry, but I work in kilo. <laughs> so <laughs> what that basically means, Shay, is say you were 50 kilos. I don't know how much you weigh, but I know you're tiny. I don't know. I don't know either. Kilos, what that is, is like 75 grams of protein per day, um, which in basically for the English people who work in pounds, 50 kilos is about 110 pounds. Um, and, or the upper limits would maybe be a hundred grams of protein per day. So obviously someone who's heavier will need to take in more, um, but a hundred grams of protein is still, is still a, quite a fair amount of, of protein to be eating each day. And, you know, we do need proteins for the maintaining our muscle tissue, for the neurotransmitters in our brain, for our joint health, for hormones, for the lining of our digestive tract. So there's so many different things that we need protein for in the body. In terms of the carbohydrate fat balance, that's where it's quite controversial. So my dad was a marathon and ultra marathon runner. And I just remember him drinking loads of Coca-Cola, having you know bowls of pasta. So he had a very carb-heavy diet. Um, 
And that was very much based on the work of Tim Noakes, who is a South African sports scientist. And so this was back in the 80s and the 90s. And so at the time, Tim Noakes was very much pro, you know, carbohydrate loading, which is very interesting because for, for people listening to this who might not know, Tim Noakes is now gone the completely other end of the spectrum. And he's actually been criticized a lot by the um, academic fields in South Africa for promoting a low carb, high fat diet. So um, this is where the controversy comes in. But I think we've talked on the show in the past, perhaps when we did the energy module, I said to you, we have enough energy in our cells, in our body, stored energy to run 42 marathons or 52 marathons. I can't remember the exact amount, but no one's probably going to get close. So that's okay. And no one's going to try it either. (laughs) So when we're looking at energy, sometimes it's not about how much we're consuming. It's about, are we able to access it? There is a perspective that if we're constantly having a very, very high carbohydrate diet, we become dependent on carbohydrate as a fuel source, which means the more carbohydrate we eat, the more carbohydrate we use, but then the more carbohydrate we need to eat. And we can get stuck in the cycle of having lots and lots of carbs or needing lots and lots of carbs and becoming dependent on that very instant source of energy. And the longer term strategy is to adapt to be able to access our fat tissue. It's not as such an instantaneous source of energy, which means um, that you really have to be training your body to use fat as a fuel source. And we do that by having fasting periods. So periods of the day when we don't eat anything, maybe a 12, 14, 16 hour window overnight by training fasted. So you mentioned, you know, having your oats as your pre pre-run meal but in in the case of anything under an hour i'd say you could probably do that fasted and in that way you're training your body you're conditioning your body to use that more as a fuel source then there is this idea about training low race high so you're training your body on a lower carb diet but then um on as you prepare for the race you fuel up on carbohydrates so your body is really loaded with enough carbohydrates obviously it makes sense yeah so in this show you know, it's obviously difficult to give specific advice, but these are, I guess, just ideas, options, theories, concepts for people to look into, to do a little bit of research around, um, and maybe then find someone who could help and support them with the specific details. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, the research that I've done so far on that has also been very mixed in terms of high carb versus high fat. And lots of the people that sound like they are the most balanced just say, you know, have a balanced meal as you would usually and just increase your calories a little bit if you're wanting to support a little bit more, but don't kind of cut one food group, don't eliminate things, just, or if you are, play with it just very minimally. You don't have to go to these end extremes of just only eating fat or only eating protein or whatever it is, but give your body an opportunity to take in all different macronutrients and as many macronutrients as you can. And knowing what I know about you, I would probably say that's the most sensible route to go down. And if it was me, that's probably where I would start unless I noticed for whatever reason, I wasn't responding well to that approach. And then maybe I would play around with some 
either going more carbs or less carbs and more fat and then just mm. noticing how my body responds. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing about being able to tune into your body. So really knowing what is working, what is not working, um, how you need to maybe increase this for energy or you ate that and this is how the day went afterwards or how the run went or whatever it was. The other thing that was came up that was quite interesting for helping with that information was turmeric. And there was lots of stuff on turmeric tea and pocket tea about taking turmeric after you've been on a endurance run or a long distance run or any kind of training that you've done to help fight that inflammation response. So yeah, that was another little tip that came up. Did you have any other tips or things that you... No, I will not. No, when I say no, that's not true. Yes, I do. So um, I actually had a superhuman client once who she did a hundred mile trail run, which included basically like running through the middle of the night or she started at two o'clock in the morning or something ridiculous. I can't oh remember the um, exact details. She had some really, really great ways in which she fueled, which I just loved because they were all based on natural foods. And she was always, she was very much into like cooking and growing her own vegetables. And she was just that type of person. But one of the things that I often recommend for gut health is to make bone broth, which I know doesn't always go down so well with the vegan and vegetarian society. But if you're, if you're up for eating some chicken, um, bone broth is a very, very healing, nourishing food for the gut. And what it basically is, is when you, when you roast a chicken or cook a chicken, you keep the bones or you can sometimes just ask your butcher for carcasses that they're not going to use and then put it in a slow cooker with some salt, some celery, some onions, some carrots, some, maybe some peppercorns. I quite like to put a little bit of chili in as well and um, just you know, fill the whole thing with water and then you just stew the bones on a low heat for about eight hours. What this does is it breaks down um, a lot of the beneficial proteins and the gelatin and those nutritious components which are within the bones and then it becomes accumulated in the broth. And you obviously would strain the broth of all the solids and you can drink that just as a hot drink. You can add it to your own stews or soups. And um, my endurance clients, she um, would actually in her long endurance runs, she would have someone who was stationed to support her with her food. And she would have this bone broth because of the salt and the electrolytes and all the minerals. It was very hydrating and at the same time, very nourishing for her. And the other thing she had was olives because of the salt. Oh, interesting. So on her actual runs? On her actual runs. Obviously, with the 100 miles, she's going at a very, very gentle pace. She's not legging it. but I um, won't be legging it, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you, especially you know, as you come into summer and you're sweating, you're losing a lot of salt. And very often people think that we, you know, we shouldn't eat salt or add too much salt to our food. But if we're losing a lot of salt, we actually need it. And so having those very salty foods like olives um, can also be quite helpful in terms of balan balancing electrolytes. Mm, I love that tip, actually. I can't think of having a hot bone broth as you're running. I just, what? that doesn't like compute You would maybe stop for a little bit. Oh. Have a drink. <laughs> you wouldn't have it in your camel pack. <laughs> drinking my bone broth as I run. <laughs> you wouldn't be drinking bone broth anyway, probably. Probably not, probably not. Yeah, I love those tips. Another thing that I had in terms of a specific meal was in, a, in a, what is that I'm going to say? A, an, an opposing, for, 
I'm just, <laughs> I've forgotten the word, but like as in a supplement to, or instead of the oats is to have a rice porridge or creating a rice porridge. And the other one was a quinoa porridge. So boiling quinoa and then adding your oat milk, almond milk, whatever you want and having that as an alternative to oats. So there's less gluten that you're having to deal with. Um, so that was another just little thing that you can substitute. And the fourth tip that I have is to know what you're in for. And I think that this is useful for anything that you are doing in life, you know, whether it's training for a marathon, whether it's a triathlon, whether it's improving yourself, self-development, um, starting a business, whatever you can, the more information that you can get about knowing what you're in for, I think that can really help you. For me, when I signed up to this Bournemouth Marathon, I actually initially wanted to sign up to the Richmond um, Marathon, which is flat and it's really close to us and it's easy to get to. And when I looked at the dates, it was the date that Warren was away from London. He was in on his fishing trip. And I was like, oh no, I don't know if I can run a marathon without Warren being there. Then I was like, I just can. Well, I could, I could, but Didn't I want it's to. not preferable. And so then I was, all I did was I Googled marathons in London or around London and Bournemouth, I saw Bournemouth come up in October and that was kind of a nice time period. And then I was like, Oh, Bournemouth. And then awesome. So I signed up to it just like on a whim without even really doing too much extra research because I just decided to dive in. And I've since realized that there's actually quite a mean hill or two mean hills, very mean hills in this thing. And it's you can come down and practice. Anytime. I know. I know. I'm like, why did not sign up for this. I did not know about this, but having done that research now, okay, now I know that there's a really big hill at right at the end. So, okay. I'm in my head, like that's where I need to conserve some energy or even knowing that in this particular track, you pass underneath the finish line with still nine miles to go. You have to loop back. And so imagine if you didn't know that and you cross under the finish line thinking, Hallelujah, I'm finished. And then you've got 15 kilometers still to go. You'd actually want to plug your eyeballs out. Mm. Like, so now I know that. Okay, so I know that I'm going to be passing under the finish line and I'm not going to be finished. So information is really valuable and really powerful. Um, and, and something someone, else to add to your information is uh, actually the past few years, it's been amazing weather every year for the Bournemouth Marathon, but there's always the chance it could be rainy. They could, they could be howling with wind and you would at some point have to run into the wind. Yeah. Something that was very interesting in one of the welfare podcasts that I've listened to, which has got a wealth of information. And it's really cool because she interviews someone for the first half of the podcast. And then for the second half, she goes on a run with someone and interviews someone while she's running. And I'm like, they're cool, kind of out of breath as they're talking. So it makes you feel like, Oh, I also need to be running. Like it gets, it gets that spark going in you. But one of the tools that she gave, which was kind of a visualization tool was that if things in your body are feeling a little bit uncomfortable, you're feeling like niggling sensations, can you take that awareness from your body and put it into the outside world? So if, instead of focusing on what's going into your body, you can focus on, okay, there's a beautiful tree or you're focusing on the crowds that are smiling and you're focusing externally. The same can be applied in the reverse. So if it's howling wind and it's rain and it's terrible conditions, can you focus your intention or can you bring your awareness to that place in Inside you that feels good. And I was, I was like, wow, that's a really good tool. But in my head, I was like, well, what if it's raining and it's miserable and your body's paining? Then what? You are screwed. I'm like, what do you do? You can just think of 
about the fact that you're at the sea and the fresh sea air and you're not in London inhaling pollution and the mug of bone broth waiting for you at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Great tips as always. (laughs) Someone in my yoga class as well said that if you know that it's not going to be a linear journey, like that is also very empowering. And I think that's true for anybody who's running a business or anything that the journey that you come on is not going to be linear. There's going to be moments where there's really big highs. There's going to be moments where there's lows. There's going to be moments where you're doubting yourself. But if you can just be aware of that and move through that, I think that's also a a useful way to get yourself past those little hiccups and those bumps in the road. So yeah, it's up and down training and up and down during the actual race as well. But those ups and downs in your training, remember that all those little mini challenges are changing you and shaping your growth and allowing you to step into who you need to be to see the thing to completion. Mm -mm. And to identify yourself as a runner. (laughs) I'm going to get you a little badge for when you- I'm a runner. I am a runner. (laughs) My name is Shay Dyer and I am a runner. (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, And the mug of bone breath. And a mug of bone breath. It was sad to me because, you know, when you run, sometimes people have their names on their marathon training vests and everybody can easily see Sarah or Anna or Nicole and they can shout for these people by their name. But if I have my name, nobody will know how to say it. So they'll be like, go <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I must maybe make it. My name is pronounced Shay. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, you need Shay Dyer and then in brackets pronounced Shay. Yeah. you would um, <laughs> phonetically write it. There we go. That's it. Yeah. Um, so the fifth tip that I had was join a community. And I thought this was such a lovely thing. And Anna, it speaks to both of what we do in terms of your Grounded Goddess program and the Move, Breathe, Create platform. It's about having a community and a network of people that can support you, that can cheer you on, whether that's through your training or going on short runs or just people to know that you're in this together. As I posted on Instagram about doing this challenge, I've had... A a few people, Isabel and Corrine and Sophia, lots of people have said, oh no, they're also thinking about doing a marathon. They're also thinking about doing a triathlon. They're doing these things. And we're not probably going to ever train together, but when I'm out running or doing strength work, knowing in the back of my head that, okay, there's other women out there who are also doing the work, putting the time in, you know, strengthening themselves for this thing that they are physically going to overcome. It's really empowering. So even just having that knowledge that somebody else is training separately, but with you is, is very cool. So if you can, I think find a community and there's, there's lots of running communities I have since discovered that is quite good for learning to find new routes and planning your longer runs and things like that. But should you have to be a runner, Shay, to join the running team? I know. This is what I'm thinking. I'm like, I need my badge, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> I am a runner. <laughs> so the sixth tip was about organization. So how organized you have to be. And this was particularly for planning long runs. And someone said to me, you know, if you plan your long runs, you avoid the mind games. Because if you are just running around in circles trying to make up the distance, you could easily get yourself into a mind game over that. Whereas if you plan a route that is 32 kilometers away from home and you're running home, that's your destination and you've got it in your head. So it's about being organized as much as you can in that way. 
also simple things that make your mind games less dist- or make the mind less distracted is like if you have your washing that needs to be done, that's got all your running kit, wash it all together. And this was a tip on the welfare podcast, put it all in the same place. So you've got your socks, you've got your running kit, you've got everything all in one place so that when you wake up in the morning, ready to go for a long run, you're not suddenly, oh, I don't have a running sock. Oh, I can't find my tights. Oh, maybe I should just not do it today. Whereas, But you can always take your dirty tights out the washing. I know I do that frequently, but I think after 32 kilometers, they might be a bit more stenchy than I'm used to. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, just such a simple thing like that, that kind of avoids the mind getting out of it. You know, everything is organized and planned and even simple things like, I would say that I'm generally quite a strong body, but maybe not necessarily in the strength way that is required for this type of work. So something that I have been wanting to do is put a little bit more calf raises into my workout stuff. So now when I go out every single time I leave the house, I'm leaving five minutes early. And before I put my shoes on at the front door, I'm doing my calf raises on the steps. So that requires me to be able to be organized enough to leave the house 10 minutes, five minutes early so that I can do that. So little things like that, that you can start being a little bit more organized to put that kind of thing into your day. Eventually you're going to have to get Warren on your shoulders to do your calf raises. I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Baby steps at the moment. Um, I was actually, I gave him a challenge last night because he's doing the half marathon with me in May. And what I heard on this welfare podcast was that a woman should be able to do 21 single leg calf raises easily if they want to be in running fit condition and a man is more. So that's something that you can test out today if you do a calf raise on the edge of a step or a bench or something. So give it a go. And then the final tool tip trick that I have, which is something that I'm really into was visualization. So if you can have a mantra or a meditation that you can recite in your head over and over, because I think as you're running, it can get quite repetitive. And if you've got something that you can anchor your mind into that kind of keeps you out of that physical body and maybe just going circling back onto that thing of if the mind is feeling agitated and the body's not feeling comfortable and the outside conditions are not favorable, maybe where you settle your mind is on that mantra, on that meditation, like just repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. And then also, which was really useful that she, someone, this was someone on Instagram also, and she said, you need to visualize how you're going to respond and practice that when you don't feel like it. So when you don't feel like going for a training run or when you're in the middle of it and you feel like I actually can't do this, you have to practice how you're going to respond in that um, situation and that circumstance. So yeah, those were some seven tips that I had. Um, is there anything else that you thought that I need to know <laughs> for my endurance training? No, I'm a runner. I think that you're, I think that you've got a lot covered there. The, I just, the final thing for you specifically is to have a, a proper and constructive marathon running program to follow but I think that comes with the planning and the only other little tidbits to refer the listeners back to is and um, I've talked about the arch and um, heart rate variability that we talked about in the woo-woo things that we do episode I also talked a little bit about Wim Hof and the breathing and the cold therapy mm-hmm. and so again those are other little things you can add into your regime to help and support recovery And actually, that was something that this woman on the Welfare podcast does. Every single day she gets back from her long run, she does an ice bath and then drinks a turmeric 
turmeric tea. I'm like, oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> but maybe it's worth doing. She had a trainer that actually she she took one session with him or a couple of sessions and she helped he helped her get through her marathon training last year and he would go take her to the gym completely exhausted tire her out completely and then after that was like right now step ups onto this box and she was like are you serious and he's like this is what it's going to feel like at three and a half hours in your marathon running so you need to be able to keep correct form and keep your head in this at this point and that just terrified me. I was like, oh, this is really going to be intense. <laughs> but I think it's, yeah, having the, the plan and the preparation and doing everything that you can to support yourself and getting strong for it. Back in my CrossFit days, I used to train with a lady who also did triathlon. And our coach would make her do like sets and sets of heavy, heavy back squats and then go for a run because he was saying like that kind of replicates what it feels like when you get off the bike and then you transition into running because they're two like different movements and you, it just feels really, really weird. So mm. I think that's a great way is just like if you, if you keep your body guessing then mm. um, and mentally you grow stronger as well because you're continuously having to deal with new challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. And if anybody is thinking about doing a physical challenge, whether it's a half marathon, a triathlon, a marathon, whatever it is, I would love to hear from you. So you can either message on the Kombucha and Color Instagram feed, you can message in Indie Yoga Life, or if you want to pass on some tips through Anna, Anna Marsh Nutrition on Instagram, I'd love to hear from you. Um, if you do have any more tips, tricks, tools, please share them my way. This is obviously not a professional marathon runners tips but this is where I'm at and maybe it might help you if you are planning something some of that so let me know awesome thank you so much for sharing Shay we'll see you again next week guys see you later bye bye thank you for listening to another episode of kombucha and color if you have enjoyed or been inspired by our conversations today please leave a five-star review on Stitcher or iTunes. Don't forget to share with friends and family. This will help other women find inspiration to live life right. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Come find me, Shay, by searching Shay Dyer Yoga on Facebook or Instagram. You can find me, Anna, by searching Anna Marsh on Facebook or Instagram. And remember, you can always refer to the links in the show notes. See you next week. Hi, it's Anna. Ever since I was a child, I wanted to study the power that food can have on our health. When I started practicing as a nutritional therapist a decade ago, I realized that what is just as important is the relationship that we have with food. This is very often a mirror for the relationship we have with ourselves. Through my own personal journey and health challenges, I was forced to dig deeper and understand things that go beyond just our physical bodies. I learned the importance of working with the whole person to create a balanced body, mind, heart, and soul. I'm now passionate about using my diverse toolbox to help women slow down, take better care of themselves, and ultimately cultivate a life which is a reflection of self-love. If you feel like this is speaking to you, I created a 43-page guide nine steps to love, nourish, and connect with your body to create an energized life with a happy heart and soul. You can download it for free and join my Grounded Goddess community for even more inspiration by visiting groundedgoddess.co.uk 
forward slash nine, the number, hyphen steps. That's groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash nine, the number, hyphen steps, S-T-E-P-S. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the community.